Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. And welcome in, everybody, this Wednesday afternoon, because if there's anything that any successful podcast channel has, it is a regular schedule, and we just have not been able to keep that for the last, oh, I don't know, six weeks or so due to varying different outside real-world circumstances. Uh, I'm recovering from bronchitis still, um, but I feel much, much better. Just now my entire family is also sick. I've got a two-year-old with a double ear infection, so I was with him all day yesterday. Oh, SV3, I'm just living the dream. I'm over here just absolutely living the dream. It's nice to be able to, to get away, lock myself. I have locked the office door. I have barricaded myself inside, and I am ready to talk about professional wrestling for the next 40 minutes plus. Thank you so much for being here and making sure that we could get at least one regular show in this week, because we do have a lot to talk about today. Hey, it's, uh, it's a day in wrestling, and there's always a bunch of news for us to discuss. We haven't done the show in a couple of days. Got AEW full gear coming up. Yeah, WWE trying to uh, clean up some of Triple H's blunders as Booker that I only seem to be the only one that points out but let's talk. All right. We got it. We do have a lot to dive into, uh, including what a difference a week makes in the life of Austin theory after they flat out said it on commentary on raw this week, the worst, possibly the worst money in the bank cash in. It's almost like they read the internet and then just decided to roll it into this week. But maybe they also listened to this show because one of the talking points from raw this week was something that we brought up here uh, on the program. And I later wrote about four cage side seats. Seth Rollins continues to do a hell of a job to elevate the United States Championship, and he's getting some help along the way. We've got new matches added to Survivor Series War Games. We've got new competitors added to Survivor Series War Games. As you said, we got a big pay-per-view this weekend. Soraya is talking about her first match in five years, and she says this match is going to put her under the microscope. We'll dive into all of that. Oh, and there's also the possibility that Stone Cold Steve Austin might be coming back uh, to wrestle one more time. Maybe more for WWE. Who knows? Yeah. You, know, you guys remember when like Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back in wrestling was like the biggest story of the year for all of like five minutes. You remember that? Th th that was a glorious five minutes. I think the rumor broke. If memory serves correct, SP3. The rumor broke that Stone Cold was coming back. And then I think like the same afternoon, the rumor broke that Cody Rhodes was signing with WWE and everybody just forgot about Stone Cold. No, the rumor that Cody was leaving AEW was the same That's day right. as Austin uh, possibly coming back at WrestleMania rumors. So Austin was the biggest news story for about, I would say, about 10 minutes. 10, 10 minutes, minutes, yeah. Okay, be, so we'll double my initial estimate from 5 uh, to 10. And then he actually wrestled, and it was like, the second biggest thing that happened on that entire card. Uh, but we'll dive into all of that. First things first, got to thank our friends over at Ben Online. Basketball's back, NFL's in full swing. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Get the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, game trends, all of it is there. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that is the NFL, the NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, or professional wrestling. Yes, they have odds up there for full gear this weekend. We'll talk about that coming up here soon. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. We appreciate everybody joining us here uh, this afternoon. Typically, we would be live on Tuesday at 2.15. So if you're new to the show, uh, make sure to tune in 2.15 on Tuesdays. That's our regularly scheduled time. We like to dive into the chat and get your opinion on things. And by the way, this was a big week for us, uh, regardless of me being sick and uh, everything else going on in my personal life. We hit 500 subscribers this week, which was huge for us. We launched this channel in January, and we have 500 subscribers already. I, I can't tell you how big of a smile that put on my face to see the 500 there under the subscriber mark, which, by the way, SV3 means somebody 
won a $100 gift card to, turns out, Shop AEW. When I did the random drawing for all those who uh, who registered to be a part of it, the winner was Regan All Elite. Regan has been one of our biggest fans since day one, and she wins the $100 gift card to, believe it or not, Shop AEW with a name like Regan All Elite on Twitter. So congratulations, Regan. And if you, you didn't win this time, there are 499 of you who did not win. Do not worry. We're going to be doing more giveaways throughout the entirety of this channel's existence. We'll be giving stuff away just to show our appreciation for you guys tuning in uh, to us and making us a part of your day. So make sure to hammer the subscribe button. If you haven't already, make sure to give us a thumbs up. And away we roll with our lead story here. Uh, we got so much to talk about, but so much of the focus for me heading into Monday Night Raw this week was going to be how Austin Theory would be presented how he could possibly rebound off of what we saw uh, last month, two Mondays ago now, where he decided to cash in the United States, the, the money in the bank contract on the United States championship SP three. And really my expectations for this were low. Like all I really, really wanted was an explanation. And we did get an explanation. And it was one of the ones that we brought up here on the program. It was just the simple fact that he was tired of getting his clock cleaned. Every time that he decided to cash in on Roman Reigns and he's decided, you know what? He's unstoppable. I can't touch him. So I might as well cash in on Seth Rollins. It's not the best explanation in the world because he could have cashed in on Braun Breaker. Uh, that would it's have been not. A, it's not even a good. It's not even a decent. It's not even a possible or serviceable excuse. But they did everything after that promo that helped this. Yeah, and like I said, that that was my base. I wanted an explanation for why he decided to do it. That was his explanation. Doesn't matter the fact that he had until WrestleMania, right? Like he could, it, there was no reason to rush this. There was no reason to dive into this. Like and, right and now, it, literally, literally, it was just words. It was just words. It wasn't even a good excuse because saying, "Oh, you know, I couldn't cash in on Roman, so I decided cash in on the greatest, one of the greatest champions of the past decade, uh, Seth Rollins." That doesn't explain to us why you cashed in on the United States Championship. That doesn't explain that. That does not explain why you thought that that was the second best option when you already went to NXT and saw the second best option. Like it was a bad excuse. It was bad excuses. It was just words that Austin Theory actually performed and delivered really well. But I'm getting, there seems to be a theme with this regime of let's mess something up and let's explain it the next week, but don't think about explaining it. Let's just put words together that sound like an explanation because they did that with this. They've done that with the Miz, Dexter Loomis, Johnny Gargano feud, which has been on a treadmill for about a month and a half now. They keep doing this. And I'm I'm starting to peep game that this is their this is their their thing to do is do something bad and then say, oh, we explained it. And then you'll have a bunch of people on online that are WWE fans. I was like, oh my God, you see? That made sense. No, it did not. No. Well, and again, I th this goes back to being a, a low bar, right? Because back during the former regime, they would just do dumb stuff and we would get no explanation whatsoever. So the fact that they even showed an effort to try, I, I think is, is a lot in a lot of people's books, but that's, that's only going to last for so long. I wanted an explanation. I got it. It, it wasn't the best one they could have come up with. I think him just, I, I did like the line where he 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 started talking about the kind of pressure that was on him because that's that's real world level stuff right there, because, you know, people will look back to Vince McMahon naming him as a as a future world champion. The same thing that he did to Drew McIntyre. Oh, so many years ago, there is a lot of pressure that comes with that. You have the head of the company, the, the biggest name in the world of professional wrestling saying, hey, look. You're going to be a world champion. I am Donnie. You are my guy. You're the next guy. You're the next John Cena in WWE. That's what Vince McMahon was saying. So when Austin Theory dives into the fact that there's a lot of real world pressure, you guys have no idea what it's like to be me with that floating around there. And the other line about, you know, that the, the money in the bank contract being a uh, an anchor around his neck, that I think was more Triple H talking because that money in the bank briefcase was an anchor around Triple H's um creative direction 
both for the world title scene and for Austin Theory. I think this is all part of a process for Triple H. Whether it was the best cash-in, whether it was the best explanation or not, what I took away from what we saw from Austin Theory was Triple H wanted to reshape him, remold him, put him out there in a different light and with a different attitude and shape Austin Theory in his image and not what Vince McMahon had for him. And yes, he saw that Money in the Bank briefcase as an obstacle, but uh, there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot that I liked, uh, real world like level stuff from Austin Theory in that promo on Monday. Um, like I said before, Austin Theory performed the promo very, very well, but that promo was straight up trash. It was trash. It was not good excuses. It was not even well thought out excuses on why Austin Theory cashed in on a mid-card title that he already owned that had two open challenges on the same episode. Nothing he could have said could have explained that to us. And putting in the real life stuff, I'm, I don't care. Um, that's I'll be real. I don't really care about any of that. About it being an anchor for Triple H. That's excuses. We don't get. We didn't give the same excuses for Vince. I'm. I don't give the same excuses for Tony Khan after like a month of AEW. I stopped making those same excuses for Tony Khan. I'm not gonna make those excuses or acknowledge or even say I respect the excuses that people are coming up for Triple H because he will seem to do that. Notwithstanding all of that, from the moment Dolph Ziggler got into the picture. For the promo, I think they turned this around. He uh, he responded to Dolph Ziggler very confidently, saying that he wanted to fight, saying that he wanted to wrestle. I thought his character work in the match from the moment that he makes his entrance without the selfie cam, without a, a gimmick, and, and that was the real albatross around him that was keeping him at a mid-card level, and people weren't seeing him as a heel that can rise up and be a future main eventer because of that gimmick. Get a, get rid of that. That was a good first step. Uh, the matchup with Dolph Ziggler was really, really good. Shifted into a bunch of near, uh, good, uh, you know, uh, third, fourth gear towards the end there. Uh, and I like the finish. I It's very rare that I like a DQ finish in WWE, but yeah, I yeah. liked it. I liked it here. I liked him showing that aggressiveness and snapping because he couldn't put Dolph Ziggler away and just giving him the A-Town down and then beating him up on the outside. And there's his facial expressions throughout the matchup. It showed a change and a different a different level that he can go to. And he seemed like now, finally, he seemed like that heel future main eventer that, that Vizic Man saw him as. And then to end the night with him laying out Seth Rollins so people make it clear that he's still involved in the United States title picture. He's still involved in the main event here that you need to pay attention to him. I liked everything after that that weak ass promo that they put together for him. I think they did everything else well, but at the end of the day, for all of that that I'm just praising, all of that that I'm that I'm nitpicking with the promo, you didn't need it to get Austin Theory here. Austin, you could have kept money in the bank on him and rehabbed his character, and got rid of the selfie can, and oh, yeah. had it had a different change in his character. He could have cashed in on Roman Reigns and lost, and yeah. had this character change. He could have cashed in on Braun Breaker and lost, and yeah. had this character change. The reason why WWE is acknowledging that this is considered, or quite possibly, the worst Money in the Bank cash-in of all time, because... It is the worst money in the bank cash in of all time. Don't let WWE try to control this narrative. It's the worst because of a multitude of reasons. And that Raw this week was the best Austin Theory has ever been presented. You did not need that last week to get here. Yeah, and, and that that's my biggest issue with this is because the what Triple H did, granted, he did not. He he did not inherit Austin Theory, Mr. Money in the Bank, or he did not put the Money in the Bank briefcase on him. He inherited Mr. Money in the Bank, Austin Theory. He saw that as an obstacle, and he took the Money in the Bank briefcase, one of your 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 biggest creative elements, one of your biggest driving forces for honestly your entire year. It's basically the summertime version of the Royal Rumble. What he did with the Men's Money in the Bank briefcase was almost as egregious as what Vince McMahon did with this year's Royal Rumble winner. It, it, it's the exact same thing. Vince McMahon, 
after the 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 fly by the seat booking that happened at day one after after Roman Reigns had came down with COVID, decided to take the the WWE Championship off of Big E, and now all of a sudden he's got his big match, right? Oh my goodness, he's got his big match. He's gonna do champion versus champion. It's gonna be Brock Lesnar. It's gonna be Roman Reigns. It's gonna be title for title. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be the most stupendous whatever the fuck WWE Championship match of all time. Oh shit! But what about the Royal Rumble winner? Okay, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take the title off of Brock. We'll put it on Bobby Lashley. Brock will win the Royal Rumble. Then we'll put the belt back on Brock, and that's fine. The, the, the Royal Rumble's over. We don't. It's an obstacle. The second you start treating your biggest creative elements as obstacles, that is when they cease to matter. And Triple H did the exact same thing here. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm missing my uh, mute button all over the place. That is exactly what Triple H here did with the Money in the Bank briefcase. He can't do that stuff moving forward. I know that he has inherited a lot of stuff that maybe not, that doesn't fit his creative direction. But that's what he did with the Money in the Bank briefcase because for whatever reason, that's what he decided he needed to do here and now in the moment. I don't know why that is. I don't know if I'll ever find out why that was. But he treated the Money in the Bank briefcase exactly the way Vince McMahon treated the Royal Rumble. And that you can't do that again. You can't. These things need to matter. They're your biggest creative elements. They are there for reasons, and you can't treat them like that. You're on mute, SP3. You're still on mute. I'd be willing to 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 be like you and note that, oh, you know, he inherited Austin Theory as Money in the Bank. He inherited Liv Morgan as SmackDown Women's Champion and him messing those things up or not making the right decisions with those things. I'd be willing to mention that or make that be known or mention that more if he didn't mess up one of his own creations in damage control like like don't don't give him an excuse there's no excuse it doesn't matter if you inherit I, something if you do something badly no, I, I, you I deserve to be denoted for that I wasn't saying it as an excuse. I was just saying he clearly didn't want money in the bank on Austin Theory and decided to take it off. But, but what people have to understand is that's how it comes across. It comes across like an excuse. Like like in WWE's mind, they thought everything Austin Theory said, oh, great, you know, we're fully explaining everything. Everybody's going to be happy that we're just giving, you know, everything. No, it just came off like a bunch of weak excuses and mentioning that, oh, you know, Triple H, he just inherited Austin Theory as money in the bank. Well, he inherited Sami Zayn being in the bloodline, and he's done that great. So I'm yeah. sorry. You can't, we can't, we can't even, I, I don't even want to mention the fact that he inherited something. If he can inherit other things and do that well, he can inherit Austin Theory as money in the bank and at least have him take, have him fail the cash in in a better way than what he did. Look, I, I think you could have gotten to this serious, aggressive version of Austin Theory. Over the course of time, you could have continued to do every major pay-per-view. Austin Theory coming out there to cash in on Roman Reigns and he getting his ass kicked. Like Until eventually, he finally does cash in. He finds that vulnerable moment. And then he still loses, right? Like because of Bobby Lashley or whoever interferes and costs him that. And then he finally snaps. That would have been a better way of doing it. I don't know. The thing I think that bothers me the most about this is the fact that they rushed it. And again, they just treated it as, okay, this thing is an albatross around his neck. It, it needs to go away. That, that, and that's inexcusable. They just said the money they, in the bank briefcase needs to go away. And that's what they did. They made it go away. They that's treated it. it. They treated it like this dude had eight days to cash in and not eight yeah. months. Correct. Like that's, that's, that's like, the if, biggest. If, if you don't think you can cash in on Roman Reigns. Okay. Somebody's going to get his number eventually. Exactly. You don't know what's going to happen in the next eight months. You don't know if Roman Reigns is going to be beat by somebody. At least try to cash in more than twice. You know Dolph Ziggler, the guy you face, the guy who always says, oh, I had the greatest money in the bank cash in. Do you want to know how many times this man tried to cash in? Not only, that, but he, not only that, but didn't he have to defend the briefcase as many yes. times as he tried to cash it in on? Yes. Yeah, this man like, almost lost the briefcase like 40 fucking times before he finally cashed in on Del Rio. Like, like it's just Which like, is part of the reason why the pop was so good is because he actually did it and was successful. And it's just like WWE, like Triple H, 
literally just look at the history of the Money in the Bank briefcase. I, I was I was all for when the report came out that they were thinking about him holding it until next year's Money in the Bank because I was like, that's a new story. And two, all the most memorable Money in the Bank cash-ins are from people that held it a long time. It does not matter. Like Edge, the first one, Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, those are considered the top three. They all held it for over six months. You literally didn't even let this guy hold it for six months. Yeah. They got to do better. And I'm not going to be one of these people who sits here and says, it's uh, the money in the bank concept is dead and buried. It's time to move on from it. No, I still think you can do it and you can enhance it. But my goodness, again, I'll ask this question. And I asked about it when I wrote up for Cage Side Seats this week. When was the last really great, truly great money in the bank cash in? You have to go all the way back to WrestleMania 31. That's a problem. It's Seth Rollins. I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for, for, for Dean Ambrose cashing in. Yeah. But was that a truly great Money in the Bank cash in? It was. It was good. All all three members of the Shield holding the title within minutes of each other. There's some really special stuff there. But if I'm being honest, the last true great Money in the Bank cash in came at WrestleMania 31, and we have not had one since. That's a problem, and that's why you have people saying maybe it's time for Money in the Bank to go away. But then it's not even about that. Because I would I would argue that there have been great money in the bank cash in moments, but that's it. It's a moment. That's the issue. The reason why people remember Seth, if Seth had won at WrestleMania and then loses the title two months later to like Dean Ambrose, no one's gonna people are gonna be like, Yeah, that was a great moment, but the title reign wasn't much or no, because one of the top three that you said was edge. And then he held the belt for all of a month before dropping. But he got it, it back. He got he it back. Him. He, he got it back. back. So, so he did like that. If he never, if he lost it after a month and never got it back a few months later, then no, they wouldn't be talking about that. Same, yeah. same, uh, Dolph Ziggler. A lot of that is down to, you know, just the moment the the feeling, him as a person because his reign wasn't that long either he yeah but he got hurt didn't he yeah yeah yeah. those are circumstances there was circumstances around that of why it's still remembered and still memorable despite the reign not being uh, you know something much but other than that these money in the bank winners don't necessarily have great reigns and seth rollins did seth rollins was like the number one heel in the company following winning at WrestleMania 31. He wasn't booked very well. A lot of people tend to forget that. But uh, he was, he was without a shadow of a doubt, the number one heel in the company. Held the title for about six, seven months after that. That was the last time that anyone had a real reign after cashing in Money in the Bank as well. There's a lot of reasons why that is considered the last great Money in the Bank cash-in. I, I would argue that some of the women, and I, I think we tend to forget the women's money in the bank because it is so relatively new. But I think a lot of the problem with the women's is it's, it's just been repetitive. Like it's just a moment. That's, that's, that's the thing. Like I consider Bailey's reign. Remember Bailey's reign, even though she did drop the belt to Charlotte for a little bit, yeah, she won it right back though. Two days later. And that started her entire heel run. Still, still like I've considered that just a great moment. It was just a great moment at money in the bank, 2019. And yeah, Bailey was a heel. She got cheered as like the biggest female babyface in the company, and then two months later, she turned heel. So is that 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 was mainly why I don't I don't think that that should be considered a great Money in the Bank cash in because they kind of just washed it up within yeah. two months. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, because Alexa cashed in, and then she got absolutely murdered by Ronda like a month later, right? Two months uh, later, yeah. Yeah, two months later. I, and I mean straight up murdered uh, by, by Ronda Rousey two months later. Uh, Nikki Carmella, A.S.H., who you were so hopeful for. Uh, Carmella, Car- Carmella actually had a good, a decent reign, but it was on a SmackDown that had Becky Lynch, Asuka, and Charlotte Flair, and you had Carmella as the SmackDown Women's Champion. And it was not a good rain quality rise. Despite her versing Charlotte and Asuka in matches, she didn't have one good match until she lost the title at SummerSlam. Yeah, in a triple threat match that featured Becky and Charlotte. And literally, nobody remembers she was in that match. Which is unfortunate. 
because Carmella's really good and she's very uh, underappreciated and it sucks that no one remembers. Uh, there are people who are who are fans right now who probably don't even remember that she was SmackDown Women's Champion, probably don't even remember that she was Miss Money in the Bank and definitely don't remember her being part of that, that SummerSlam match because all anybody remembers from that SummerSlam match was Charlotte won, Becky snaps, and the start of the, the rise of the man began, right? That's what people remember SummerSlam for. There are going to be people who forget that Carmella was in that match and she was good in that match. That was a really, really good match. Um, we did have a uh, match added for Survivor Series War Games. It's going to be AJ Styles versus Finn Balor. These two are going to squash this whole beef between the, the OC and the Judgment Day at Survivor Series War Games. SP3, I didn't get a chance to fact check this today, but I saw a stat from a, a um, Twitter account, WrestleOps, so don't shoot the messenger if this isn't factually correct but it's kind of hard to believe but i also kind of believe it if I, i'm sitting here trying to think aj styles has not won a one-on-one -on -one pay per view match since 2019 to which I <laughs> what on god's green earth are we doing what are we doing if that stat is accurate, I wish I had time today to double check that. I did not. But there have been other credible sources who have picked that up and have noted that AJ Styles has not won a one-on-one -on -one pay-per-view match since 2019. <laughs> it is almost 2023. Mm -hmm. What are we doing with AJ Styles? Can we heat this man up, please? I feel like this man has been stuck in mid-card limbo for at least three fucking years at this point now. I mean, you want to talk about having an albatross dangled around your neck? They, they spent a year with this man building up Omos. They spent a year of AJ Styles' career. It is a miracle this man re-signed with this company. Like, the way I'm thinking about how this guy has been booked over the last three years. My God. Like, I'm all about Judgment Day and their rise, but Jesus, can we get AJ Styles a win at Survivor Series, please? I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, it would seem like that that is, like, the thing to do, especially because they have protected Finn Balor in singles matches. I know it's, I think it's been, like, six months since he uh, lost a singles match ahead of Monday Night Raw where he lost to Seth Rollins. So he's been protected enough where a lot of shenanigans in that match too so yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i mean yeah but uh it's also I mean, a judgment day match so exactly exactly i'm at the point where i just expect i don't really get invested into the matches but i did get invested into that one before the interference and then the interference took some of my enjoyment of that match away um but yeah that that is what it is i think aj styles should win at this point if it is true he hasn't won a singles match on pay-per-view on a premium live event in three years aj styles should win and i think that would be the best way the babyface should win to close the feud and this way you protect judgment day from taking another tag team or six-man tag loss since they took two of them back-to-back -back at SummerSlam and Clash at the Castle. So, yeah, I think AJ should win here. And never forget, AJ, I mean, memory serves correct, AJ was also the one who ate the pin at Crown Jewel, too, right? In the in the six-man tag team match? Didn't AJ Styles eat the pin there? So, my goodness. I mean, like, I, I keep thinking back to, like, seriously, and I've written about this, like, twice in two weeks. I keep thinking about back to that Roman Reigns, AJ Styles feud that they had back in 2016. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, God, can we run that back, please? Like, can we find a way to heat this man up so we can get Roman Reigns and AJ Styles while Reigns is at the top of his game right now? Because you know Styles can still go. Like, it's right there. It's sitting there. It's waiting for you. It's, it, it's, it's, it's low-hanging fruit. It's begging to be plucked. You got the OC who can counter at least a little bit of the numbers game with the bloodline. Like, can we please figure out a way to get there? It's utterly ridiculous that AJ, I mean, come on, man. It shouldn't be that hard. Should not be that hard to get AJ Styles back in the, the upper main card. Stone Cold Steve Austin's making headlines again. Apparently, according to Fightful Select, WWE, old regime and new, 
uh, have interest in bringing the Texas Rattlesnake back for another match, maybe more. And apparently Austin is receptive to that. And he's been posting a lot of workout videos, SP3. You know what that means? If you're posting working out workout videos. It's for something. Um, even though it is Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? WWE took a huge gamble putting him in a match for the first time in 20 years against Kevin Owens at this year's WrestleMania. It, it was great. It was a spectacle. I enjoyed every minute of it. I felt like a 10-year-old kid again watching Stone Cold Steve Austin do his thing. The man's still 57. He still has his knee issues. He still has everything else that's been going on with him. I'm not saying you bring him back for, for anything, right? Like, I think... I think if you're going to bring back Stone Cold Steve Austin, it's got to make sense. The opponent has to be right. The the event has to be big enough to hold him. The idea of possibly having The Rock and Stone Cold at this year's WrestleMania again in 2023 is insane to me. Um, it this this kind of seems like a no brainer, but WWE would be pressing their luck throwing out another Stone Cold Steve Austin match. Like, it was a gamble. You have to admit, it was a gamble to put Austin out there for the first time in 20 years. They delivered. They 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 leave this lasting, great memory of Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's like, oh, he's as good as he ever was. Always leave him wanting more, SP3. Are they going to press their luck? Should they press their luck with another Steve Austin match in 23? Yes, most definitely. I said this after WrestleMania 38. I said they that Austin should come back. At that time, I thought, you know, Seth Rollins, someone like that would be, you know, an easy person for him to face. But there's a bunch of different options now. Say Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Finn Balor. We can do some Stone Cold versus Judgment Day type of type of thing. Stone Cold versus Brock Lesnar or Bobby Lashley. That might be pressing the luck too much, in my opinion. But <laughs> The perfect person, the person that will keep Austin safe because of the style of match that he will probably have at a WrestleMania, especially a WrestleMania in Hollywood. Do, 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 do. No, 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 because the perfect match for him is Logan Paul. Logan Paul uh. said it himself. Logan Paul said it himself on Impulsive. I would have said Cena. I would have said Cena for sure because that's a dream match that you, if you can get it done, you can get it done. So definitely if they want to go that direction, that's a good one. But the perfect person is Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. That that is the only person that can give him the type of like brawl, walking brawl, kind of stunt type of matchup that he had with Kevin Owens that kept him safe, that he was good in. I think Ray Wyatt could do the same thing. And this would further lean into the whole Bray Wyatt is not really a baby face type of thing where he's going against Austin. And this will be Austin's good way to kind of give back where he can lose to someone on the main yeah. roster. And I feel like Bray Wyatt is the best person for him to do that. Oh my God. That is such, I'm going to steal a line. Um, Let's steal a line from one of your good friends. That's a good shout, man. That is a really, really good shout. That is a great idea. Like that wouldn't even hit me. Like the the just the possibility, just like just like when Bray and L.A. Knight were on the same screen on Friday. I'm like, I never even thought of this combination, and it is fucking brilliant. And I am extremely excited to watch it go down. I would 100% before that. I have seen so many people throw out there on Twitter this week that it needs to be Austin and CM Punk. I think that is a pipe dream for a lot of reasons. One, that's going to cost a lot of money. Two, CM Punk is injured. Who knows if he'll even be ready by WrestleMania 39. Three, he's still under AEW contract. Four, even if he does get his release from AEW, do you really think that Tony Khan is going to let that man be able to be free and walking around and able to work WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles? You're out of your mind if you think all four of those things are going to happen. It's a pipe dream. It's an absolute pipe dream. Don't throw out CM Punk, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Don't say, ah, oh, well, you can push it off until Survivor Series next year, SummerSlam or Saudi Arabia. CM Punk's not going to Saudi Arabia in the first damn place. Stop it. That's a pipe dream. It's not happening. John Cena was the first one that came to my mind because, like you said, that that is a dream match, right? It, it's two generations. It's basically... You know, Rock Austin. It's basically Rock Cena. It'd be like Rock Cena three, but it's 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 Stone Cold and Cena this time. So I, I that would be a dream matchup for me. I'd love to see that. 
man, Bray Wyatt, that that's a good one. I don't think I could beat that. I don't think we'll see that. I I don't Not know. Me. I don't I don't know what WWE would do in that situation and who they would have him work with. Would they have him work? Well, they. Okay, here's a question: If you can't get Rock, if you can't get Rock to work the main event against Roman Reigns, would you do Stone Cold Steve Austin in the Rock's place? Not. Then you just do Cody. You do Cody and Roman because then you can have Cody come back and win the Rumble. Well, that, that, that just opens it up for them to do what the fans really want, which is Cody and Roman. But I think it's crazy that the fact in 2003, we saw Rock versus Austin 3 at WrestleMania 19 uh, in Seiko Field. We believed it was Austin's final match. And 20 years later, in 2023, we might be about to watch a WrestleMania that has both of those men in high-profile matches. I'm so glad I have already booked my Airbnb. Um, I'm, dude. I'm, you. I always get excited about WrestleMania season because that's when like shit really gets good. At least you hope it's going to get good. There's always the options that stuff's going to get good. It's been lackluster a few years because let's be honest, we we've all been kind of on cruise control with Vince McMahon and his booking. But now that, you know, you hear Triple H talk and, and again, it, we, we spent the first 20 minutes of this show talking about how his booking has not been perfect, but this dude has plans laid out. He's trying to set pieces in place to put together a special WrestleMania season. I, I, I am very, very excited to see what he's going to put together for WrestleMania, what he's going to put together for WrestleMania season. And frankly, as soon as Survivor Series War Games is, is, is over and done with, we're going to have that five week stretch until we get to the top of January. And we're talking about Royal rumbles and we get in the, the video numbers and all this other stuff, like the video packages where it's all about the numbers. I, I cannot wait to get there. I, I, I have been pleasantly surprised by what triple H has put together. Not overly, you know, everything is great because it's not, but man, his first WrestleMania season, I think that's going to be his true big test. And at that April 3rd, if we're sitting here, I think that's where we can give our first real like official grade of, of Triple H and what he's done since taking over is what has what happens through WrestleMania season. Because so much the last few years, man, it's been, oh, the show was show was great. Getting there sucked. Getting there was a slog. I don't want it to be a slog this year. Speaking of things that uh, you talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling, we talk about The Rock possibly wrestling. Those are possibilities. One thing that's going to happen this weekend is one woman is going to have her first match in five years, which is something that we did not think we would ever see again. Full gear AEW. Let's dive into this, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. So one thing we didn't get to talk about last week, SP3, while I was out with bronchitis, if anybody's wondering why I sound this way. Soraya and the good doctor had a hell of a promo exchange on AEW Dynamite. Shit got real between them. And then the most important announcement came that Soraya is 100% cleared to compete. She will wrestle Dr. Britt Baker this weekend at full gear, her first match in five years. Since uh, a house show where she was re-injured after a kick uh, from Sasha Banks, I did love the interview that she did with uh, Renee Paquette where she said one of the first people she called was Sasha Banks to let her know that she had been cleared. I thought that was absolutely lovely. Then I'm reading quotes from an interview that she did with Chris Van Vliet, uh, where she says that she knows that this match, uh, she's going to be under the microscope. Everything that she's going to be doing is going to be scrutinized according to uh, what she said with Chris Van Vliet. She says she's fully expecting it, and at this point after the match, she's going to not even touch social media. She's not going to have her phone on. Uh, she's already too much in to her own head at this point she just wants to get in there she wants it to be good and she wants to focus on keeping herself and dr Britt baker safe and here's the thing sp3 she's 100 right everything that she's going to do in this match is going to be 100 scrutinized and i think a lot of people are going to be looking at this match for different reasons obviously um one is genuine curiosity is what what is saraya going to look like how is she going to perform after five years off um, I'll ask the question here, SB3. What are you looking for specifically uh, when Soraya and Dr. Britt Baker get in the ring this weekend at Full Gear? 
I just want them to, you know, present this match as it was a grudge match because that's how it's been built up. Uh, I think that the promo change on Dynamite was really good. Um, unfortunately, Dr. Britt Baker is just another class to Soraya because Dr. Britt Baker BND has been doing and pretty much having input on her promos a lot longer than Soraya has. And I don't think Soraya knows how to talk to this AEW fan base that views anything WWE as a negative, as a heel thing. And then she's up here saying that Dr. Britt Baker hasn't accomplished anything. And I've been in the Tokyo Dome. I've been in Madison Square Garden. No wonder you got booed. You, you, you're just bigging up your WWE career and telling us that everything Britt's accomplished in AEW doesn't matter? No, boo. Boo, get out of here. Britt Baker was just another class. That line about we don't accept walk-ins, bitch, make an appointment, that, that needs to be on her all-time promo one-liner. That was great stuff. So I just want them to go out there, have what can be presented as a brawl. I think that will probably be in the safe house for Soraya, where they give us something different and of quality at Full Gear this Saturday. All I'm looking for in particular here is, I, and, and here's the thing, man. I don't care if the match is good. I, I, I really don't. I, I don't care if the match is, a, is an all-time great. I don't care if it's a banger. I don't care if, if they mess. I just want to, I want Soraya to enjoy the moment. Like, seriously, that, that's, that's all I want. I don't want her to go out there and, and, Easy for me to say, right? Sitting back here behind the microphone, but I, I I read these quotes and I'm sitting here going, stop, stop, don't 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 worry about what people are going to say after the match. Don't worry about what people are saying right now. Just go out there and do your thing. Enjoy the moment. You have been waiting and working your ass off for this moment for five years that you never thought would come, and now you get to have a match again, which is something that you are really really good at. She's there's probably going to be some ring rust, I'm sure, right? And yes, she's right. This, this match is going to be compared um with the returns of of other medical miracles because we we live in an age now where this is a somewhat normal thing. You think of people like Edge, you think of people like Brian Danielson, you think of people like Christian who all had to retire because of serious injuries whether they are concussion related, whether they are neck related. They were able to come back. They were able to have their their big comeback match but here's one thing that Soraya is going to be doing that those other three did not you think about those three that I, I listed specifically and I'm not saying that this was their decision and that they couldn't have done it but they all three of those guys were protected in one way or another because two of them came back in a multi-man Royal Rumble type situation and Daniel Bryan came back in a in a mix in a tag team match so there were moments where they could lull there were moments where they could collect their thoughts, do whatever they needed to do. They could be taken out of the equation for a certain period of time. The focus wasn't always going to be on them 100% of the time. This entire match is going to be Soraya and Dr. Britt Baker. There's no tag. There's no Royal Rumble. There's no, oh, I just took a, a Superman punch, so I'm going to lay on the ground for five minutes and collect my thoughts and figure shit out. There's none of that. It's those two. Figure out, I'm sure they have rehearsed this match and organized this match to a T from the first lockup to the three count, which is probably the smartest thing you could do for somebody who hasn't been in the ring for five years. If Soraya goes out there and she starts thinking and overanalyzing and she makes a mistake and she lets it get into her head, she's not going to enjoy it. She's going she's gonna to go out there and she's probably going to put on a subpar match. Just go out there, trust your instincts, and just have fun. That's what I want her to do this weekend. I just obviously be safe. Both of these ladies be safe. But I just want her to have fun. I think that's that's she has earned the opportunity to get back in the ring and enjoy it. That's what I want to see her do. And who gives a shit what other people say? I don't care if the match, just the fact that this match is happening. It's all she's already won, in my opinion. She's already won. A lot of big matches on the card this weekend at full gear. Our friends over at Bet Online have a number of favorites that have been listed. So you can go up there and and, and bet on the card if you would like. Uh, the favorites so far, according to uh, full uh, to uh, Bet Online, not going to give you the odds. You can go check them out. Don't forget our promo code. Believe get your fifty percent off your first deposit. Uh, Tony Storm is favored. MJF favored. The acclaimed Chris Jericho, Jade Cargill, uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, Soraya, Darby Allen, and Sting all favored this weekend as of the betting lines today. SP three of those names 
lot of they, apparently they think a lot of people are going to retain with obviously the the one big exception of the favorites who do you think's the most vulnerable who do you think has the biggest chance of getting upset this weekend wish i was listening a little closer but i, I, I did I, hear i did hear chris jericho retaining the roh world championship and i would say that would probably be the only one that i say is risky but even that i would say it's pretty safe that chris jericho is going to hold the roh world championship heading into final battle in december so i think that that's why he is kind of the favorite but i could definitely see them putting the title on Brian Danielson or putting the title on Claudio Castanoli, putting the championship on Sammy Guevara would be something interested as far as the Jericho Appreciation Society. So yeah. Chris Jericho, I would say, out of the ones that I I heard there is the is the one that I would say I'm not as confident as the other. Yeah, you know, just, just looking at the odds, honestly, that's not even the closest odds. The closest odds is like it's almost a coin flip right now between Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter, which I find to be that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense to me because Jamie Hayter is the hottest woman in AEW currently. She's the hot hand. So that would make a lot of sense for Tony to kind of put the title on her. But that kind of negates everything that Tony Storm has accomplished because they still haven't really specified if interim championship runs are part of the lineage. So you at least want Tony Storm to get to the unification match at the very least. So she has a part to officially be a part of the lineage. I think that yeah. I've, I've said this on uh, Monday Night Live with Alex McCarthy this week. I'll say it here. I think the right move is to Tony Storm to retain, hold this title until January when Thunder Rosa is expected to be back, win that unification match, and Tony Storm officially become the undisputed AEW Women's World Champion. And then probably like Revolution, I think you should do Storm versus Hater versus Baker to finally kind of progress the Baker and Hater story where Baker can screw Hater out of the championship and betray her or hater can just pin Brit and become officially the baby face and win the championship. I, I I'm not going to be mad at that at all. I do agree with you. I think you have to get Tony storm to the unification match. Um, now, yeah, did, the last up that is, uh, I saw on thunder Rosa, she was just able now to get back and kind of, uh, run again, right? To get her to get her cardio back up. So hopefully she's you know getting back into the swing of things, and hopefully it is by January or that they can they can get into that match. But if you're Tony Khan and you don't know when she's going to be able to come back, you know it, it's kind of hard to to judge. But Tony hasn't been champion that long, so I'd like to see her kind of get be able to continue this run uh, for at least a little bit. Th this one's not like man. I know he hasn't lost a match yet, but Jeff Jarrett beating Darby Allen by hitting him over the head with a guitar. I, I, I think that is a big possibility. I, I, I don't think Sting's going to eat the pinfall in this matchup, but if I had to guess, I think Jeff Jarrett getting a win at this pay-per-view is at least a possibility. At My least dude. a possibility. My dude. Jeff taxes. <laughs> and Sting wins in AEW. This man has not lost in AEW. I know he hasn't. In two years. And you expect me that Double J, Mr. Slutnuts, Mr. Country Music Star, the same man that they built up as this monster heel heading into Ric Flair's last match and lost to 76-year-old Ric Flair, basically passed out on his deathbed in a pick of four. You expect him to be the one to finally end Sting's streak? Are you, are you kidding me? Not by pinning Sting. Look, no, I'm it don't matter. It don't matter, Darby. I've said this many a time. I've learned my lesson. Darby and Sting don't lose. I know, but if I'm look, I'm look, I'm just looking at the odds and I'm answering the question of the eight favorites, which one do I think is the most vulnerable? I think there's a chance that Double J beats Darby Allen. That's a chance. That's all I'm throwing out. That's all I'm throwing out. We got Survivor Series War Games coming up here in two weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. So we're getting close. We got 
pay-per-view this weekend. By the way, uh, our full gear prediction show will be coming out on Friday. It's going to be myself, SP3, and uh, Phil Lindsay, one of the Grab City boys, also with Bleacher Report, where you can watch full gear as well. Uh, he's going to be joining us, and uh, we'll be running down the entire card, and you both can yell at me uh, for my thoughts on Double J possibly winning that matchup, but I, I digress. That'll come out on Friday morning, so make sure to check that out. Following weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, will be Survivor Series War Games. Last week, SP3, we had three open spots in the women's matchup. We gave our predictions on who would be filling those spots, and I believe we both went 0 for 2 on the two that were filled this week because we expected them to be involved elsewhere. Screw it. Mia Yim gets added to Team Bianca Belair. So Rhea Ripley says, I'm with you, Bailey, because I want to take out Mia Yim. We have one open spot left. You're looking at me like this is a, a slam dunk no-brainer. Who 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 is the final competitor going to be? We got an open spot on Team Bel Air against Team Damage Control. I, I'm not saying, I'm not looking at you like it's an open slot uh, slam dunk. I mean, after AJ Styles challenged Finn Balor to a one-on-one -on -one match at Survivor Series, I was like, oh, me, him, and Rhea Ripley probably be at War Games. And literally a an hour later, that yeah. was confirmed. So that makes it very interesting who's going to be the final person on the babyface side because uh, there's a couple of different options that make a bunch of sense. You have Becky Lynch, who was taken out by damage control, uh, you know, following her injury at SummerSlam. We had reports just a month ago that had that Becky Lynch was going to be back sooner than most people thought, and she's the one that would probably get one of the bigger pops out of the options that are out there. Of course, there is the option of Sasha Banks and Naomi, but everything that we learned from Sasha Banks today says that it, it ain't happening anytime soon that she's coming back. Because she, she is living her best life. She trademarked a new name, Mercedes Monet, and a statement maker, and she's going to be at Comic-Con uh, Revolution in May of 2023. So, I mean... Not, not a death nail, by the way, because there was that report no, from no. Select today that said, hey, look, a lot of people are getting to work on outside projects now yeah, in WWE, yeah. so, you know... I'm talking. I'm talking more about the trademarks. The 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 the, the Comic Con appearance just adds on to the making it more doubtful that her potential return is happening this year. I don't. Yeah, I yeah. don't know about next year, but it doesn't look like it's happening this year. So you can kind of write off or uh, doubtful for Sasha Banks returning in her hometown of Boston. Uh, similar to Naomi, where Naomi doesn't make as much sense as the other two options. So, you know, Becky's hurt. You got Sasha and Naomi, questionable. So the other two options are more likely where it seemed like they just did the angle a few weeks ago on Raw for Candice LeRae to come back here. Uh, she's been in two War Games matches. She was yeah. taken out by Damage Control. She makes a lot of sense. It would be a big spot for her, but she won't get that big of a reaction. Then there's also the fact that last night on Raw, they showed and recapped Extreme Rules when Rhea Ripley gave the concerto to Beth Phoenix, which makes Beth Phoenix another person that is likely now that Rhea Ripley is involved in this matchup. So I would say I'm gonna, I'm, I got a week to kind of think about it more, but I think it's going to come down to either Candice LeRae or Beth Phoenix. There, the, the answer to this should be Becky Lynch. It should be because you look at this whole story. This 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 should be the culmination of this entire feud between Damage Control and Bianca Belair and and her friends, right? Because this all started at SummerSlam. And it started with Bianca and Becky standing side by side. So the story should close once again with Becky and Bianca standing side by side. It's unfortunate that this whole storyline got to be told without Becky being involved because she separated her shoulder in that match. If she is healthy, it should be her. Even though that's a tough ask. Hey, you've been out all, all fall. Here's war games, big girl. Let's go. Big time Beck, step up to the plate now. That's a tough ask for anybody. The story dictates it should be Becky. I don't think it is going to be Becky. I don't think she's ready to come back because I, it, that, it's a little too soon. And again, that is a big ask. Candice LeRae, Makes a ton of sense. Best Phoenix makes a ton of sense. But I can't help but feel like 
Dana Brooks an option, isn't she? With this view that she needs, she. <laughs> I love how SP3 just shuts the camera off. Look, she's feuding with Nikki Cross right now. I'm telling you. Is she? Low is expectations. She lost in two minutes to Nikki Cross. She lost in less than two minutes. She, she's pining over she's her lost here, love, the 24 7 title. She's whining about a title that has been universally panned and saying that's her legacy. If that title is your legacy, dear, you ain't got no legacy, dog. So you ain't going to be in no war game. That is one of the most laughable suggestions you have ever made. I, I don't show. think, I'm not saying I would book it. I'm just saying. We're throwing out here, oh, it's got to be Becky, or it's got to be Sasha, or it's got to be this, or it's got to be that. I'm, I'm telling you, if it ends up being Dana Brooke, don't be shocked, because I could see them putting her in the match. If this was the Vince McMahon era, I could. Not in Triple H's era. I think it'll be Candice LeRae. Personally, I think it'll be Candice LeRae. We have not gotten the men's. War Games match booked yet, but based off of what we saw this past Friday on SmackDown, it appears it is going to be Team Brawling Brutes with Drew McIntyre fighting alongside Sheamus. Love that. Going up against the Bloodline. One open spot. We'll talk about that one open spot right now. But SP3, I actually saw people on Twitter, on Elon Musk's Twitter, complaining about this matchup at Survivor Series. Are you cool with Team Brawling Brutes versus the Bloodline at Survivor Series? Like I always say, I try my best on this show to be professional and to not curse. But I saw a lot of dumbass shit being said about this match. <laughs> a lot of dumbass shit. I saw people literally say Oh man, it should be uh, it should be Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens and a whole bunch of baby faces that haven't been involved with the bloodline all this time to verse them in war games because I want big stars in war games because I got re I received a Twitter page where I could say my oh, no. crap ass opinion. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate all of it so much, all the complaining, all the people who think they're a better booker than Paul. And I'm not one of them. I complain about Paul's booking, but I don't think I'm a better booker than Paul. He has more, much more experience than me. But at the end of the day, I am cool with Team Brawling Brutes versus Team Bloodline. I think they did a great job of establishing the Brawling Brutes as you know rivals to the Bloodline in the last couple of weeks. And I'm fine with this. They took out Sheamus. Sheamus needs to get revenge. This works out perfectly. Drew has his issues based on what happened at the Clash. Would have loved for the fifth member to be Kevin Owens, but I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But I'm cool with this. Yeah, um, I, I'm sorry I missed most of that rant because, uh, you know, my, my internet uh, crapped out there for a second, but I'm glad I'm back. Uh, you got, you can hear me all right. Everything's, everything's cool here. All right, good. Um, yeah, I missed most of that rant. And I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I feel like I'm going to agree with everything that you just said because this made absolutely the most sense from a storyline standpoint, from just a sheer capacity for just big dudes beating the hell out of each other. How could you not be excited about Sheamus and Drew McIntyre fighting on the same team? We have seen these guys tear the house down wrestling each other, which has been great. But one of my biggest dreams in the history of professional wrestling was to see these two work together as a team, as a sustained unit, because these dudes whoop all sorts of ass. So you're going to put those two together with Butch, who we know can go, Ridge Holland, who is still green but he's he's coming along right so put him in a big spot great i have no problem putting him in there none whatsoever you have the i'll, entire I'll be honest i want rich to be taken out in the build up and put the new day in if you're not gonna have if you're not gonna have kevin owens be the fifth guy the new day needs to be in this and then that might you know carry us over here into question number five because we are running out of time here but uh i'm 100 cool with this sign me up this makes sense from a storyline standpoint and here's the other thing this is a match where the, the bloodline can win and really nobody gets hurt by any of this, right? Because the bloodline's going to win. Roman Reigns is going to pin somebody, probably. But this is still going to be 
hella good. Kevin Owens would have made a ton of sense here with Sami Zayn on the other side. Unfortunately, he suffered an injury at uh, a house show over the weekend. He may not be available. So now that now it's it, it, it's come down to well, we got to find a replacement for him. Who makes the most sense? I'm not I'm not mad at that idea of taking out Ridge Holland and putting the New Day in. I think those those two teams had a fantastic match on Friday. There's a lot of history between these two. They are the two best tag teams as far as WWE is concerned of their generation. Yeah, you you could sign me up for that 100. I I don't know if that's the direction that they're going to go. I'm not sure. New Day really hasn't been doing a lot lately. Uh, they got put into that situation as like a last second. Hey, Usos are about to break the record, so yeah, why don't we go ahead and have the current record record holders come in there and try to save their record? That's great. Nice little spot. Great match on SmackDown. I don't know if they're going to go Ooh. that direction, but I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at some of the options. I'm sitting. I would argue. There. I would argue they've been feuding with the Usos for over a month now. Ever since the Usos got within a month of the record, a New Day's been targeting them. They did that that six man tag with Braun and the New Day versus the Bloodline. That's fair, they did. Yeah. They did a bunch of matches. They did a couple of, you know, quick matches for them to get momentum for them to be in this. You had the whole segment with New Day and the Brawling Brutes teaming up together to beat up the Usos. And then Solo and Sammy had to make the save for them. So they, they've been primarily feuding with them. And especially, man, I, I thought about this before I, I answered this. I was like, New Day always delivers in these closed cage situations. New Day versus Usos in 2017, the Hell in a Cell match, one of the best Hell in a Cells of the modern era. Kofi Kingston in Elimination Chamber during yep. Kofi Mania, one of the yep. best performances ever. New Day in Elimination Chamber during the Tag Team Elimination Chamber. They were one of the only good things about that damn match. Like this, that they would work. And having the Usos and the New Day, you know, you have the potential to have that little, that little showdown or you can have them be the first four competitors in this matchup. There's so many different things that I just think that makes the same sense. There's a lot of people I, I saw like my good friend, my former co-host on Wrestling Daily, dear Louis Dan Gore, very much wants Seth Rollins to be in this match. And I'm just like, don't shoehorn someone who can literally give you another high profile match on this card. You literally are just hurting your entire card for one match, if you shoehorn Seth Rollins in here, and you're gonna have the people that's out there. Well, Seth Rollins, he brought up um in September, and one time, I think I remember in June, he said something about Roman Reigns. He said he he didn't lose to Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. So why would you shoehorn him in that when Seth Rollins could have a match with Bobby Lashley at Survivor Series? He could have a match with Austin Theory, Theory at Survivor Series. He can have a four-way with Theory, Lashley, and Ali at Survivor yeah. Series. Like, there's so many other things for Seth Rollins to do. There's literally no good reason you have outside done. of I that starts with, with that doesn't start with I want for him to be in this match. Yeah, look, you have you have spent the last several weeks building up the United States Championship as this title that matters. It is Raw's main championship, so much so that you sacrifice the Money in the Bank briefcase to, for it to be cashed in on, and then comes around to one of your top four pay-per-views, and you're going to take the United States Champion and just go ahead and throw him in war games and not have that title defended on this pay-per-view. Granted, I know that the WWE Championship is not being defended on this pay-per-view either, but that's why you need the United States Championship defended on this pay-per-view or the Intercontinental title for that damn matter. Um, so, yeah, no, Seth Rollins does not make a lick of sense here. And honestly, nobody else that I've really thought of. I'm looking at the SmackDown roster. I'm like, okay. Nobody make like, literally nobody makes sense. I'm looking at dudes who don't really have anything going on right now. You could throw Braun Strowman in there. Who cares? Bray Wyatt, he's starting something else right now. You don't need to throw him in with, and with Braun's in the World Cup. Yeah, he's in the World Cup, so he might be fighting Gunther anyway. So there's really not a whole lot of options. I'm looking at dudes who could perform well. I'm like, it'd be great if you could mix Johnny Gargano in there, but he's still involved with what he's doing over on Raw. There's nobody. There's okay. really nobody. Unless you're going to bring back, unless you're literally going to bring back babyface Bob Robert Roode and say, hey, here you go. We'll throw him in there. Randomly. Um, bring back I Glorious. I'd be fine with it, but like, there's nobody. 
since we did bring up the World Cup and Braun Strowman, um, I'm very much into the belief that Braun versus Ricochet is going to be the finals of the World Cup just for them to do a backstage segment where Ricochet says, oh, I know you don't like these flipping wrestlers, but this flipping wrestler is about to beat you. And then whoever wins will show us if WWE is really upset about what Braun did on social media last week. If Ricochet beats him, then you know WWE is a little upset with him. And it, it's the, the whole Braun Strowman situation it, it is weird. And I know we need to wrap up, but it is weird because you, you read the reports from Fightful Select and it's like Braun in person has been great backstage. Great. Everything's fine. Like morale is great. Then you get Twitter Braun, Internet Braun, where he goes out there and he says his his opinions, which he's entitled to, and it gets him in hot water. And you look at the crowds, and he is massively freaking over. So it's you know, there's but a that lot just of- happened. He hasn't been. He, he was on. He was on SmackDown, but that SmackDown crowd isn't much to go by. WWE crowds in general over the last couple of weeks isn't much to go by. And it took about two months after Seth Rollins started doing his Twitter fingers in 2019, where his cheers slowly, slowly started to dwindle, and then eventually. Yeah. Three months after that, he had to turn heel. So I wouldn't even take into account anything that happens in the next couple of weeks. It's going to take a while for people to start not cheering him the way they are. But I think that if he keeps on this Twitter brigade the way he is, that will happen. Yeah, social media will kill you. So it's bad. Stay off of social media. If you're on it, you can follow me at Rick Uccino. R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O. For those who are listening on the podcast channel, follow him at True Heel SP3. That is T-R-U-H-E-E-L-S-P and then the number three. Again, we will be back Friday morning uh, where we will be talking with Phil Lindsay from uh, Feistel's Grapsity podcast. Very, very good podcast if you haven't checked that out before. Uh, also, Bleacher Report where you can watch Full Gear this weekend. We're going to break down the entire card. Talk about whether or not it is finally time to anoint MJF as the next AEW world champion. You got AEW tonight, by the way. We got Rampage on Friday. We got SmackDown on Friday. Uh, A lot that we're going to be talking about this week and next. Boy, great time to be a wrestling fan. Thank you guys so much for making us part of your day. You've been listening to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.